When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everyone. Hope everyone's having a great week. We are here in the New York City area, and it was uh, crazy, crazy weather last night. I cannot believe I'm actually here, actually in northern New Jersey, in Inglewood, New Jersey, and literally the parking lot that I am in was like a river. I could see the remnants of the debris and the potholes and cars that were submerged in water. It was crazy, but nonetheless, we are here and we are uh, doing this show live from uh, the location that I am at right now. Again, we hope everyone's having a great week and that if you are in the greater New York City area, that we hope everything is okay. Feel free to reach out to us if there's anything that you require, any help. We'd be happy to help any with any of our resources that we do have in case if there's anything that, again, that you're in need of. Again, if you're new to Sustainable Success, you found us here at the Voice America Influencers Channel. You could also find us on Facebook at Sustainable Success 2017, also at Apple Podcast and Google Play. We encourage you to check us out in all those locations where you can find many of our great guests that have shared their words of wisdoms and insights to scale your business to the next level, including your personal life. And again, we feel free to, to follow us on Facebook there. We always have a lot of great content in between our guests, so feel free to engage and per- participate in the sustainable success way. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together, whether if you went to school with certain people or perhaps you've never met certain people, but they went to your school regardless, a great way to reconnect, meet new people and perhaps land your next job opportunity or your next collaboration project or business. This is also a membership program that also provides a ton of affinity programs to help you and your business and provide certain resources and services that you would never get on your own direct. So feel free to check them out at alumnidirect.com. That is alumnidirect.com. We have a a great show today, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Journey to Award-Winning Filmmaker and Photographer. So this is going to be great for those that perhaps maybe you are in the process of pursuing your passion or purpose, or maybe perhaps you haven't, you're not quite there yet. And perhaps the gentleman that you're going to listen to today sharing his words of wisdom can inspire you to do just that like he did several years ago. So today's topic is Journey to Award-Winning Filmmaker and Photographer. And our guest today is David Seth Cohen. And before I introduce him, I'm going to give you a little background about David. David is a writer, producer, director, editor, and actor. He was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York in 1976 and raised in Long Island. So we are actually, I grew up in the New York area as well. Ever since he was a kid, David loved entertaining people. By the time he was age 10, he began making films and performing live shows with his cousin uh, for their family to enjoy. When he was 11, David saved up all his money to purchase his first video camera, the Fisher-Price PLX 2000. He shot uh, on cassette tapes. 
a sleepaway camp when he was 12. David hosted his very own late show radio show called The David Cohen Show, which he recorded on his portable cassette boombox using uh, uh, bunk mates as guests and as live audience members with his counselors fell asleep. In college, David majored in American national government at Townsend University and was gearing up to be a lawyer. During this year, after taking an intro to film class, he took an intro to film class and the rest has been history. He is going to share with you today. I could keep going on. He's going to talk about many of the great things that he is able to achieve as his journey to becoming an award-winning filmmaker and photographer. And you'll get to also know about a little bit about his services here later today on the show. And without further ado, we welcome David Seth Cohen to the show. David, how are you doing today? Hey, Chris. Thank you. I'm doing well. I really appreciate the warm welcome. Um, uh, Very kind of you. And uh, I'm really happy to be here to chat with you today. Great. Well, we, we welcome you. And you and I have known each other for a couple years. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I know a lot of things you've been working on. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, your journey. Like, you, you know, you knew at the age of 10 that entertaining was in your blood. And, you know, talk about that feeling and how that kind of like came out when, you, you know, when you were in college. Then you be, you know, obviously you graduated. Now you're, you know, you're an adult on your own. And how that you were able to take that and really make this into a career based on purpose? Well, when I was a kid, you know, I always thought creating something, film, video, you know, music, whatever, was fun. I, you know, I really enjoyed it um, at, at a very early age, like you had mentioned in your warm bio that you gave me. Um, my cousin and I would create these like videos and do these live shows and we'd basically perform for our family. Um, And, you know, it was always something I really loved. And as I got older, I wasn't really much of a student in school. Um, I I was more of an athlete. I love playing sports and things like that. But um, I wasn't very much of a student. And so I didn't really, I never really realized that you could do film for a living and you could do video and you could do acting and you could do all that for a living. I always just thought it was fun, you know? And, um, as I got older, um, one of my friends became an actor and then I realized, Hey, you know, this is actually a real career. And, uh, my friend's name was Brad Stoll. Um, Brad was in a movie called lost in Yonkers. I think I was 15 at the time and he was 14 he played the main character, the main child character named Jay, um, and the other actors in the movie. More notable actors that you you know you would know of are, are were Richard Dreyfuss and Mercedes Rule, um, and it was written by Neil Simon, uh, which he was he's a huge uh, writer. At any rate, Brad uh, had a major role and um, was also getting roles on television and Broadway and stuff like that, and. Yeah, I still kind of didn't really realize at that time when I was that young what I really want to do with my life. You know, again, I was just kind of into sports and hanging out, you know. Um, when I graduated college, I, excuse me, when I graduated high school and I went to college, of course, you know, you didn't have to declare a major right away. Um, but essentially, you, you had to by junior year. And, you know, everybody always said, oh, you're really good at getting your point across. You're, you're great at arguing your point. Um, you should be a lawyer. 
So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that might be fun. And I was always interested in the law. You know, I'm not somebody that breaks the law, but I'm someone that was certainly interested in, <laughs> in, in the law and, and everything. Um, so uh, I decided to major in you know, like a pre-law major, which was at that at, at Towson University was American national government. Excuse me, was uh, was government classes. So. I took uh, an American national government class. I aced it. I did really well. It was you know, all about the U.S. government. And then the following semester, um, I took a state and local government class. Now, state and local government in every state and locality is very different from each other. So, like, I was under, under the impression it was very similar to New York. And then I'm, like, in Maryland realizing, wow, this is so different. And I wasn't doing so well in that class. And at the same time, I was taking an intro to film class. Um, and, you know, in the intro to film class, I remember, you know, the, the first assignment was a pretty funny story. My, the first assignment was, um, you know, take a film camera and, and do a film on a dream. And I've always, like, loved Superman. So I did this, you know, we, we had to rent, take out the, the film camera from you know from uh the school and uh you get get your actors and everything so I, I i shot this whole thing and went to go get the film developed because you know back then you were actually shooting on film now everything's video digital you know it's completely different so i go and i take the stuff to go get developed i pick it up at the lab nothing came out worthless it became a lesson where i was like oh you actually need real lights to light like a film set. You know, I used like the lights that were, you know, in the living room and just turned them on. It wasn't enough. So nothing came out. And at the, I happened to have at the time, this was junior year, I had bought another video camera, uh, not the not the original tape cassette one, but an actual like a little SVHS camera. And I asked my teacher if there was any way that I could redo it with my video camera. And he allowed me to, but he knocked off a grade. At any rate, it was a big lesson in film um, and I really like enjoyed the process. And that same semester, also, my friend Brad that I had mentioned earlier passed away. And it was almost kind of like this yeah. feeling inside of me that like, hey, maybe I should try and follow Brad's path and see if I can make it in the film industry and, you know, drop the, to the dismay of my parents, of course. I told them I didn't want to do the law thing and I was going to transfer to mass communications with a concentration in film and television. And so that's kind of how it all started, um, you know, and uh, in college, I, I made um, a short film, which actually uh, was entered into and, and got into the uh, Long Island International Film Festival. Uh, this was in 1998. And that was kind of my first you know, attempt at uh, creating a real short film. Um, and then, you know, since then, I've kind of just just kept going. Wow. Wow. I love that. You know, there was all these things going on. It's like, you know, when I picked up, David, like you, you kind of like it's almost like you knew this subconsciously. But, you know, as when we're young, we're kind of influenced by our parents in some way. They they have certain things like, oh, you know, you're going to be a lawyer. I could see that or. And I know that was the case for me because I can relate to that. And then it, but it, and it took me a lot longer to find my, my path than you. So I, that's why I admire you that, you know, you picked up on this in, in college. And so talk about like when you, when you made that first 
short film and you know that when you were in long island talk about like what like where did it go from there like what did you say like hey you started to get some kudos you got some feedback things you know you got some you know recognition what it, what would now what was the next step like that you felt like like you said hey this is for real like i i can really this could definitely be a career and was well, that the moment or was there something else that 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 defined that that for you I, I don't think that, I mean, that was the moment where I was like, okay, I love this and I would want to keep doing this, you know, for the rest of my life, be able to make money doing it. Um, but it wasn't really the moment that things changed for me. I think, you know, when I graduated, um, I was just trying to find a job in the film industry. And I got to tell you, man, I, I'm a persistent guy and I sent resumes to every single production company in Manhattan every single one. And I didn't get anything, no responses, no jobs, nothing. Um, so I took a job um, with a family friend as a photographer's assistant where um, they would shoot, you know, they shot weddings, but a high end photographer, meaning like, you know, they don't just show up with a camera and a flash at, at the yeah. wedding. They, they show up with a camera, a flash, two or three assistants that hold lights, like for a hair light. I mean, it's super professional. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity to learn, um, you know, photography, a little more about photography. Uh, and, you know, photography and filmmaking are very similar in the fact of lighting and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you know, film is essentially 24 pictures per second or more if you're shooting slow-mo. But, you know, the normal rate would be 24 pictures per second. And so, um, you know, it was a great experience working for the photographer, but then like, I kind of, you know, I still really wanted to get on a movie or do something in film. And I kind of got lucky. Um, my, my cousin, um, happened to be friends with a woman who, uh, was a costume designer and she worked with a lot of notable people. Um, and I had reached out to her to see if there was any way she could, you know, potentially make some connections for me where, because like a lot of, and you'll, you know this, Chris, uh, you know, a lot of our world, unfortunately, isn't what you know, it's who you know. Exactly. And, um, so, so, you know, essentially I spoke to this lady and um, you know, I told her what I really ultimately wanted to do. And she said, well, you know, here's, a, here's where you might want to start, you know, reach out to some of these people and see if any of them would be interested in giving you a shot. And I did. And of course, nothing you know, not even, not even a return call or anything from these people. And then, you know, randomly um, that lady called me back one day and said, Hey, um, you know, I don't know if you're interested. It would be in the costume de department, um, but I could get you a job as a PA and you'd be working on a movie called guy gets kid. I said, Oh, that's, that's interesting. You know, she knew that I, you know, I have no interest in being a costume designer. I mean, they're extremely important on film sets um, but it's not my thing. In fact, I'm colorblind. So, you know, being a costume designer is never <laughs> in my um, in wheelhouse. Um, however, um, I said, yeah, you know, I, I'd definitely be interested. She said, you know, you'll be my driver. So essentially you'll be driving me around Manhattan as we pick up clothes for the set and buy clothes and whatever else. And and then you just be doing all the other tasks as needed. I said, sure, whatever you need, no problem. And um so I, I end up, uh, I say, you know, who's, who's in the movie? And she says, well, it's, it's Adam Sandler. And I was like, oh, he's like my hero. Adam was my hero. Like, uh, 
you know, as a Jewish guy growing up, there were never any Hanukkah songs. And like, you know, as a kid in the 90s, all of a sudden Adam Sandler comes out with this Hanukkah song, which makes you feel really cool to be Jewish. And uh, so like I admired him for that. And then, of course, loved him on Saturday Night Live. And um, I really enjoyed, you know, his early movies. And and um, one thing I really admired the most, uh, you know, was that um, he worked with his friends and worked with people consistently the same people over and over again. And that's kind of like been always been a dream of mine. You know, I'm a very loyal person and he's obviously very loyal to people that help him as well. So, um, yeah, I always had that in common. And that was kind of one of the main reasons that I, you know, really um, admired and respected Adam Sandler. And so um, to be able to work on this, you know, movie big, which was called guy get kid. And then ultimately got changed to big daddy, which everybody knows now. Yeah. Um, was just an unbelievable opportunity and I took it. And, um, so yeah, so that was like the first, you know, big job I had in the world of film. Um, and then after big daddy, um, I started doing some more networking. I think networking is extremely important for people. Um, and I would go to these, uh, these, these networking events for film people specifically and, uh, at one of the events, they actually asked me to speak and show my film. They really liked it and they, they wanted me to kind of tell people how I made it and, you know, everything. So I, I, had, I went and I spoke and, uh, you know, I went back to the meeting like a week or so later and there was another gentleman that spoke who was a way more experienced producer than I was. In fact, he was doing movies at the time with like Burt Reynolds and some big stars. And after he did his presentation, I went up to him and I, you know, introduced myself and said, Hey, you know, if you have anything on a film, I'd love to take it. I'm just looking to get my feet wet and, and, and learn more and, you know, get jobs in movies. And this gentleman said, Oh, I saw you last week. I really liked your film. It was impressive. Better than a lot of the films that I've seen. I said, Oh, thank you so much. And he, he said, take my number and give me a call next week and I'll see what I can do. And so I called him, followed up, you know, with my persistence and, uh, let alone he happened to live in my hometown. And uh, so uh, we became friends and he started getting me some jobs, um, you know, like in the New York City area. And then randomly uh, about like 2000 called me and said, hey, if you're interested, um, I have a job. It would be in Miami. You'd have to go out there, find your own place to stay. Um, it's going to be five days a week, excuse me, six days a week of work. So you only have Sundays off. Um, and it's going to be long days. He's like, but it's an opportunity if you want to work on another movie. And uh, the movie was called In the Shadows. And it, it had like Cuba Gooding Jr. in it, James Caan, Matthew Modine, and a whole bunch of other actors and actresses. And I took it. And I actually I stayed on somebody's couch for three and a half months living on a couch um, <laughs> with a suitcase and working on this movie six days a week. Um, and that was my second film. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of got back to New York after that. Again, having trouble finding things, but started to get a little more work in corporate stuff, commercials, interstitials, you know, promos, stuff like that. Um, and then kind of it dried up again. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy um, being a freelancer, you know, oh, no, in, not at all. especially in like the film industry, unless you have a lot of connections, which I still didn't have. You know, I had a few people that knew me. Um, 
And I worked, I had worked with this one guy who was a cinematographer for um, Xerox. And we did some uh, events at the Jacob Javits center. Yeah. And um, randomly I, I was like sleeping in bed, you know, as a young guy in my twenties, you know, you would sleep till like your 11 o'clock, you know, whatever I'm sleeping in bed and the phone rings at like nine and it's a call from a local TV station called telecare. And they got my information from one of these specific cinematographers. And they asked me if I wanted to come in for an interview for a full-time job that would, you know, be for, yeah, I think they said three to six months. So, like uh, so kind of short time, and I want you to I want you to cover that, David. We're going to have to go to break here shortly, but yeah. I want to le- cut there because I want you to talk about that's going to be great. I I think because the audience is relating going to relate to your story because you're you're giving like that that sequence of 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 how, where you were and where you're going, and I think it's so powerful what you're sharing, and I think you know a lot of people are sitting there thinking like, what does that mean to me in something that I'm pursuing, whether if it's starting a business, if it's whatever that may be. Um, but, but nonetheless, um, I think it's uh, powerful what you're sharing. So we got to go to break everybody. We're going to be right back. We've, uh, we've got more to come from David and Seth Cohen again, journey to becoming an award winning filmmaker and photographer. And we will be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back. We're here with David Seth Cohen, Journey to Becoming an Award-Winning Filmmaker and Photographer. If you're just joining us, uh, you can listen to this show in its entirety here later today here at the Voice American Influencers channel. Uh, this is a great, great topic for those that are uh, in the process of you know, fulfilling their purpose or maybe thinking about it. And this is, uh, David had shared a little bit about the foundation of where he started and where he is. So we highly encourage you because his story is so relatable and it can definitely help you where you are and where you want to be. So David, where you had left off, you know, you, you woke up this one morning, you know, and, you know, 
tell it's where was it telecare teleshare or telecare, yeah, telecare right? tv yeah telecare tv calls you up and you take that phone what happens next so yeah they 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 called me up and they said hey we you know we got your number from uh, this guy tony and uh, he highly recommended you we're looking for somebody to come in and you know work full time uh you know uh as a, a production assistant uh would would you be interested in coming in for an interview you know, tomorrow. And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, nothing to lose. So, um, so scheduled the interview. I, I went in and, um, you know, at this point in my career, I was, I was in my twenties and, um, you know, I had PA'd a lot. Uh, production assistant is another, you know, PA is another way to say production assistant and being a production assistant, you, you learn a lot, but you're kind of at the, you're at the bottom of the barrel with, everything. And you have like a whole bunch of different bosses telling you what to do. Everyone tells you what to do. And I just kind of wanted to move on from being a production assistant. So going in to the interview, I was kind of, I was open to hearing what it was all about, but I wasn't sure if I was necessarily going to be interested in taking it. Although I was like, you know, enticed because it was actually full-time employment. (laughs) And up to that point, it was all freelance work, um, nothing really fully steady. Um, so I went in and um, I sat down and, you know, they explained to me, you know, uh, what my, what they were looking for and, you know, they wanted to hire a PA and the salary and everything like that. And, you know, I said, look, um, I really appreciate this. Um, and it's something that I would definitely be interested in. However, I'm not looking to be a production assistant anymore. Is there any way or any available positions as an associate producer or something, you know, that's a step up? And they said, absolutely, we could uh, we can we could give you an exe- associate producer role. And I said, oh, OK, great. And so, you know, the lesson there is, you know, you don't ask, you don't get right. If I just sat there True. and said, oh, I'll, I'll be a PA, you know, I would have probably been a PA another bunch of years. But instead that changed. And so my title changed, which just felt a lot better to me. You know what I mean? So oh, of I, course I, it would. I, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I start working. Um, the show was a debate show, which was basically uh, two high school children, uh, not children, excuse me, two high school kids, uh, young adults uh, would debate each other on specific topics. The host was a lady named Carol Silva, who was a uh, news 12 anchor. Uh, for News 12 Long Island. And we had actual New York State judges as the judges of the debate. And so I kind of learned, you know, the ropes of A, you know, writing for the television show, uh, B, securing guests, judges, everything else, um, you know, host, um, and C, you know, dealing with the whole thing in its entirety because my, um, the, the producer who was above me on the show was very, you know, uh, helpful in mentoring me on what I needed to do. Um, also, while I was at the station, um, you know, um, I've always been a hard worker. And so I think, you know, one of the senior executive producers at the station who was like the top of the station, like he made all the, the, the choices for every show. He was like the last line. Um, you know, he, he took a liking to me. Um, I think because he saw, you know, how how much I cared and uh, he he started mentoring me as well. And within six months um, from being there, when I started, 
it ended up the the lady who was the producer of the show decided to leave the station to have children and just kind of you know uh, work at home, and so. Uh, they asked me if I would be interested in taking over the producer role for the show, me being that I knew everything and how to run it at this point. And so I, I ended up becoming the producer of the show. Um, and then about a year after that, they approached me. Um, Malloy College uh, does some partnerships with the, the tele telecare. They're now called the Catholic Faith Network. Um, but Malloy, Malloy College has done a bunch of partnerships. And so Malloy College wanted to do, uh, create a brand new show, um, which was going to be called Next Generation. And the show would essentially be the host, uh, uh, host talking to a prominent you know, business leader on Long Island. Uh, the host was Drew Bogner, Dr. Drew Bogner, who is uh, the president of Malloy. And each week we would have a different you know, a high profile business guest whether it be a CEO of a bank or, you know, something similar. And uh, on top of that, we would have an audience, which would be all high school young adults that would be able to ask questions of these prominent leaders and Drew. Um, and so I, they asked me if I would, you know, create the show. Um, and so it was the first show I ever created uh, called Next Generation. And, um, and that was kind of cool. Um, you know, uh, the senior executive producer named Bob, he, he really mentored me and helped me out a lot on that. And so that was the first time I actually created my own show. And then, uh, you know, while that was in production, um, I guess maybe like a, a year later, uh, you know, nine 11 hit. Um, and, uh, and then I got asked to produce a, an hour long special called, uh, nine 11, uh, helping our children cope. Um, and, it, and it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really moving special, um, both that and next generation won telly awards for, uh, for achievements, wow, great. Uh, which was, which was really cool. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, the WorldCom scandals hit. I don't know if you remember WorldCom scandals. I think it was either 2000 or 2001. Yeah, I know. I remember WorldCom. I mean, when they, they were like the. The, you know, like at the time, like they absorbed like all these telecommunication companies. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then there was a big scandal. And um, anyway, so our station, you know, had the television towers and they would lease these towers to WorldCom and WorldCom defaulted on payment. Like I think it was like three, four, five months in a row. And um, the station you know, relied on a lot of that money for, uh, you know, production. And so... Um, they were kind of left with the choice of what do we do? And they decided that we, they would let go of 30% of the staff. And being that I was one of the last hires, they dropped my show and they laid me off along with uh, 30% 30, 30 of the people that were already working at the station. And so I kind of, at that point, didn't really know what to do because here was my, you know, I had my first time job, like full-time job. And and now all of a sudden I'm back to square one again, you know, having to go back to freelance or applying for jobs and stuff like that. And um, so I, I made phone calls to everybody I knew again, same thing that I did, you know, when I first started in the business and just trying to find anything. Now that I was a, an actual producer, I knew how to produce. Um, so not only could I do like a TV show, but at that point I was like, oh, I could do commercials. I can do it. You know, once you could do a 30 minute episode of shows or an hour um, or even I, I had done a, a 48 hour live telethon, 
you could pretty much do a short, you know, short content. And so yeah. um, the same guy who had recommended me to the TV station, I had reached out to him again. He said, you know, actually my son's just started a business and they're shooting a lot of high school sporting events around the island um, and the state. And they also um, are talking to somebody about doing a promotional video, video for, for their kitchen design business. Um, he said, I, I don't think they know how to produce anything. Would you be interested in, you know, they know how to shoot. Would you be interested in helping them out and producing with them? I said, yeah, sure. So, you know, I basically kind of took the reins on the project with scripting and dealing with the client and, you know, the whole producing aspect where these two guys knew how to shoot and light and everything like that. Cause their dad was a cinematographer who they had learned from. And I got involved in this one project. Um, it was really, it came out really nice. The, the, um, the, the gentleman that owned uh, the kitchen design company loved it. And um, I get a call from, you know, one of the, one of the guy, Tony's kids telling me that, you know, his brother wants to actually get out of the business and he wants to go back and become a math teacher. Would I be interested in buying the business off of his brother? And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. Why not? You know? So um, I ended up you know, buying this, this gentleman's, part of the business and uh, got into doing all these sports videos. Um, you know, we had sometimes, you know, anywhere between 12 and 15 teams that we would cover for. So it was like, a, you know, a lot of producing where you, know, you had to coordinate a lot of people being at different locations and everything and, and then getting all the, the film footage and putting it all together. And, um, and then we started kind of promoting more, like uh, business videos, you know, corporate videos and such, and started getting a little more work with that. Um, and I was doing that, I would say either from, I, maybe it was like 2002. And then in 2004, randomly, I get a call back from the television station again. And they say, hey, uh, you know, we have a new CEO coming in. Um, he's looking for a younger producer. I think I was like 20, 28 at the time. Uh, we're lo he's looking for a younger producer to come in and and do some kind of hip shows for him that would be more for a younger audience than what we're used to. Now, you know, Telecare is a Catholic TV station, so there's you're very limited at a station like yeah. that on you know what you could do. And so um, they brought me in to meet with um, the CEO to be. His name was Father Jim Vlon. He's now Monsignor Jim Vlon. Uh, younger priest. Um, he had a, a radio show called Religion and Rock. He was a, a hip guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he wasn't your typical priest, you know. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know, as a Jewish guy working with a priest, it seemed a little unorthodox to me. You know, I was like, oh, what? A... <laughs> but but um, he was a really nice guy, and and um, I felt like there was a connection, you know, where we would work well together. Um, he was open to my ideas and. And I liked his. And so we created a show called Good News. Um, and uh, we built sets for it. And uh, the show was essentially almost like a, a Tonight Show where, you know, we would have a guest on that would come on. It, it was somebody telling, good, you know, a story of good news uh, that their business or organization did. So, you know, like a nonprofit would come on and, and the CEO would be like a guest. And then we would have entertainment segment so we would have a band or um a, a comedian or you know um 
an artist, whatever it would be. We, we had an entertainment guest every week. And we also did uh, a package, which was basically, you know, we would go to a location and interview, again, an, either a nonprofit or another organization that was doing good for the community. And, um, and that was the show. Um, so it was, it was really cool. Um, and then he approached me again and said, hey, you know, he moved me up to senior producer. So I was now like a senior producer at this point. And then he approaches me with another uh, show concept. And he, uh, Father Jim Vlaan is a, um, a very heavy set gentleman, loves food, loves cooking. And he said, I always want to do a cooking show. What do you think? I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, so we created this cooking show called Real Food. And uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, we, he would cook with a guest. So there were like, we had like Lydia Bastanovich was on the show once. Um, then we had like uh, a bunch of other like prominent restaurants around Long Island in New York City, uh, like Patsy's in New York City, the famous restaurant that like Frank Sinatra, Sinatra used to love. They would come on the show. Anyway, so I, I was now moved up to executive producer, which is on a show. It's your highest, the highest you could go for a TV show. And so I was executive producer on the show, Real Food. And, uh, and then, I, you know, this, it was like the summer of 2006. And I had this incident that happened while I worked on the movie Big Daddy back in 1998. And it was something that just kind of kept popping into my mind. When I worked on the film, the night of the premiere for The Waterboy, um, my boss that I mentioned before had asked me to deliver clothing to Adam Sandler's apartment. And there was this, uh, this other PA um, who, was, who was in my car and, and she um, essentially was, I was told to drive her home. And uh, so I, I, I went to Sandler's building with the clothes and I, 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 left, I left her in the car and I said, I'll be, you know, I'll be right back. I just have to give these to the doorman. And I go to the doorman, I give him the clothes and he says, hey, just, just bring the clothes up to Adam. I was like, okay. Now, like, at the, you know, going back to 1998, I'm, at that time, I was 22. I was poor. I had no cell phone, right? And so I go up to Adam's apartment with no way of reaching the, the woman in the car unless I, you know, ran outside. I go, to, I go to the apartment. I knock on the door thinking, hey, I'm just going to hand these clothes off and I'll be out of here. So I knock on the door. From behind the door, I hear, who is it? What do you want? And it's uh, <laughs> Adam Sandler yelling at me, like, you know, jokingly like he does in his movies. And I say, Hey, it's Dave. I'm just a PA here to deliver your clothes for the premiere tonight. And he opens the door and he's got this really big smile on his face. And he says, Hey man, you want to come in and have a drink? And I was like, I froze. Yeah. It was one of those angel devil moments where the devil pops up and goes, do it, man. He's one of your heroes. Just do it. And then the angel pops up and goes, Oh, you, you got autumn in the car and, and your boss will fire you. You're not supposed to be here. Like you have more work to do leave. And I kind of took that angel and listened. And I said, Hey, look, I can't stay. I, I gotta, I got more stuff to do. I, I got to roll. And I, and I left and I never had this chance to hang out with Adam again. So fast forward now back to 2006, I had produced real food and, you know, uh, in the summer of 06, I'm, I'm having these sleepless nights and like tossing and turning in bed <laughs> thinking like, Hey, what if I stayed and hung out with Adam Sandler? And then what, I had a dream. What would have happened? 
And just right. to let you know, David, we, we got to go to break here in about, but I want you, you're, you're segueing right into where we want to pick up in the third, third segment, but uh, go ahead. Oh. We got about 20 seconds. All right. So, so I have this dream one night and in my dream, I, I'm, I go to California and I'm searching for Adam Sandler and I run into people from the set of big daddy. Nobody wants to help me find him. All of a sudden I, I'm in like what my vision of his production company is. And I'm sitting at, at, at like in a cafeteria talking to somebody directly across from me. And then <laughs> diagonal is Adam Sandler. And all of a sudden Adam Sandler starts talking to me. We start walking and talking and I woke up. I think that's wow. probably a good spot to segment. Let's do that. It's powerful. I love it. I love how these things happen and they circle back. So we got more to come with David Seth Cohen journey to becoming an award-winning filmmaker and photographer. And you're going to learn a little bit more about where this story goes, what's happening. And then also a little later, how you can get a hold of David and, you know, for any photography or filmmaking requirements. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back. Uh, If you're just joining us again, you can listen to uh, this show in its entirety here later today. We're with David Seth Cohen uh, talking about journey to becoming an award-winning filmmaker and photographer. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Again, a new social media community platform that takes all the noise out of social media platforms where it allows you to you know generate authentic uh connections with people without having to be you know get these annoying notifications all the time so check them out at alumnidirect.com they offer a lot of great services in terms of helping you not only connect with alumni but also helping in your career business and like check them out at alumnidirect.com so getting back, you know, David, we were, you know, you, you, when we were talking, you were talking about this journey that you, where you started and where you are. And now you, you know, you, you had this dream you had met, you know, again, you had met Adam Sandler once before and you had this dream. What happened next? 
So, yeah. Um, so we're at 2006 and uh, I had this dream about, you know, trying to find Adam Sandler. And, and when I woke up, it was kind of, it just almost felt like, uh, yeah, I don't know if the right word is a sign, but it, it felt like some sort of sign. Like you have to do something about this or you'll just regret that whole thing for the rest of your life. And so I decided, you know, that morning I woke up and I, I uh, decided I wanted to make a movie. And the movie was going to be a documentary called Finding Sandler. And I was going to go on a quest to find Adam and have the drink that I had passed up back in 1998. And so um, I kind of like was all wired. I went to the TV station that morning. I'm like flying on this whole like idea. And I start telling some of the people at the station, uh, one of my assistants, um, the associate producer on, on, on my show was the first person I ran into. And I, I told him what I was doing and I, like what I wanted to do. He's like, oh, that sounds so much fun. I I'm in, I'll help you out, whatever you need. And then I, uh, I asked my senior executive producer, you know, the mentor to go to lunch with me so I could you know, tell him at lunch to get his thoughts because I figured he'd probably be like, you're out of your mind. And um, we go to lunch and I tell him the story and he goes, I don't like it. I'm like, okay. He goes, I love it. What can I do to help? I said, oh, all right. Um, and then all of a sudden just people, you know, there were people that were like naysayers, of course, like, oh, it's such a stupid idea. And then there were others that were like, what can I do to help? And, uh, you know, it, I, I started building this team of people that would kind of help me on my quest, be in the film and, you know, take on different roles um, throughout. And we just began filming. So I was, I was still at the station producing. I was also filming the movie. And at the same time, I also had the production company that I had mentioned earlier, where I was doing sporting events and corporate videos. So I was at this time, there were like, it was three jobs. And I was just, you know, literally burnt out. I was, I was working, I, I would, you know, going to telecare, they let me leave at three o'clock so I could get to the events I had to cover during the day. So I would, and I always had to do at least eight hours there. So I would sometimes get into telecare at like six or seven in the morning, then leave at like three, shoot from four to like 6.30, come home, do the editing. And if there was anything else like that we had to do for Finding Sandler. So I was working literally from like six in the morning till at least 11 o'clock every night. And um, I decided at that point, you know, um, one of the nights after the, the TV station, uh, we went and we tried for, for the film. We had heard that Emeril Lagasse, uh, the, 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 the celebrity chef, was going to be doing a book signing at a local Barnes and Noble near us. And for Finding Sandler, we decided that, hey, you know, if I'm going to try and approach Adam Sandler about having a drink, we should make it the coolest drink he'll ever have. So we decided to try and, you know, make make it a little, uh, uh, you know, better than just an ordinary drink. And so one of the things that we decided to do was try and go ask Emeril to see if he would come and cook appetizers if Adam and I actually had the drink. And so I went, we, we, we shot this whole thing and I ended up getting to speak to Emeril outside at like 11 p.m. after he wrapped up his book signing and you know, the next day when I went, went into work, I was like, um, I think I'm going to resign because I, it, you know, I want to go full force at this film and, and focus more, I think, on my own production company, which was slowly growing. And uh, so I 
you know, a couple of days later, I resigned from the TV station to kind of follow my own path and do my own thing. And since then, I've, you know, basically been doing film and video. Um, Finding Sandler, believe it or not, uh, will be complete this year. It's taken 15 years to, uh, to, get, it, to get it done. Um, and, uh, you know, persistence and never giving up, uh, you know, is, is mandatory if you really want to get into this business. And, um, you know, I've been doing corporate videos, commercials, training videos, gala and fundraising films, um, all sorts of video uh, productions for a variety of companies, businesses, individuals around the world, um, you know, since then. Um, and you know, I, I, I love what I do. Um, yeah, at first, I, I really wasn't too much into the photography aspect. Uh, I, you know, I would shoot video. Um, but uh, my, my grandfather passed, um, I don't remember the year, but it was some, sometime in the, in the 2000s. And my grandma said, hey, go through his stuff and see if there's anything that you want. And I, I went through it. He had some really cool, like old film cameras. He had this old Bolex uh, camera and a whole bunch of eight millimeter cameras. And, and then there was this like old Nikromat film camera, which shot you know, real film, 35 millimeter, um, still photography, but it was all manual. And I had no clue how to shoot all manual. And a buddy of mine who had recently you know, gotten into photography and was you know, doing legitimate photography work I uh, came over one day and I, I showed him the camera and I wanted to know how to use it. So he kind of showed me the ins and outs of the camera and how to, you know, how to read the light meter and how to do this and how to do that. And um, that's kind of when I really learned uh, how to use a, a, a still camera. And, um, and then, you know, a couple of years later, uh, you know, when the digital world really started picking up, I decided to buy a DSLR and I would just take, you know, fun pictures of family, friends, stuff like that. And, and then all of a sudden people were asking me if I could do it for their business. Can you take pictures? Can you do headshots? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I said, yeah. You know, I had all the lighting equipment that I needed from film and, and everything. So, uh, you know, it was an easy transition. And so I got into photography as well. So since, since then, I've been doing not just, you know, filming and brand, you know, film, branded video content and such, but I've also been uh, uh, doing professional photography. Uh, so, you know, team photos, uh, headshots, uh, workspaces, products. Um, I mean, you name it, I've probably shot it. Um, yeah, I even went down, I went, I went to uh, Europe and shot a tennis challenger event, which was really cool. Um, I shot, uh, an event in Marrakesh, Morocco, um, had a bunch of stuff from the tennis challenger actually that appeared in um, different newspapers around the world. Um, France uh, published a couple things. And then also um, Tunisia uh, published uh, a shot of mine of one of their Tunisian tennis stars. And it was, so it's really cool and rewarding to, to know that some of my stuff has actually been, you know, around the world. And that's kind of where I'm at now, Chris, you know, um, still, still doing, doing my thing and, and, uh, work with people and, and I, I love working with clients. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I love that, David. I love the story. And obviously, you know, it's something that you, you've stuck with and because you, you know, it's, it's in your blood. It, it's, you know, it's, it, it's your purpose. You found a way to make this work, you know, successfully in your life. And 
what would you share with the people listening now and those that will be listening on demand later? Uh, what would you, sh- what would you share with them? You know, when it comes to fulfilling something that really is your purpose, your passion, and then, you know, that you can with patience and persistence monetize it and, you know, and make a living or, you know, or fulfill, uh, you know, uh, uh, your, 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 your objectives overall in your life. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I created this, this film um, for the American Heart Association called The Heart of a Dancer. Um, if anybody just Googles The Heart of a Dancer, Gianna Shuffler or uh, Huffington Post, there, there are a few articles that were written about it. And it's, it's one of my, the fav- my favorite videos that I've ever produced and created and the reason is, is because of the lesson in it. Um, I mean, it's essentially about this girl who was 14 years old and she, w- she was a dancer and uh, she was a, a top-notch dancer that would, you know, perform in, at nationals yeah. and stuff like that. And she ended up uh, having a severe heart condition and had to get, you know, open heart surgery. And she wanted to go to nationals and dance and, you know, when she got out of the surgery, nationals was like six months away and all her teachers and everybody was like, you know, they didn't want to be mean or tell her, hey, like, you know, we don't think there's a chance for you to do it. But they were like, oh, you know, why don't you just concentrate on getting better? And, you know, and she kept saying, I want to dance. I'm going to dance. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it ends up that she ended up she, she went to nationals and she won. Wow. And the lesson in that is, you know, no matter what don't ever give up. And I think, yeah. you know, that's a life lesson in anything, you know, whatever you want to do, don't give up. You know, I could don't have easily give it. Yeah. I could have easily given up on the documentary. I mean, 15 years is a hell of a long time to stick with a project. Um, but I didn't because I wanted to see it through and I wanted to make sure, Absolutely. you know, I get it finished. Um, similarly, wow. you know, yep. if you start a business, just don't give up. Just, 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 do whatever you can to get yourself out there, network, talk to people, make friends, you know, uh, find out, find mentors, find people that could give you, uh, give you advice. You know, a lot of people are, that are out there are willing to give you advice just because, you know, they're nice people. You know, some people aren't, but, you know, for the most Absolutely. part, you should, should be able to find somebody to, to give you some advice. Um, Absolutely. Well, David, yeah. this is great. Wait, wait, I want we we just have about a minute left, and I want to make sure that people can find out where can they get in contact with you for just to you know reach out to you, get to know you, anything about you know what you do with filmmaking, with photography, things that, that they could reach out for your you know for business, personal, and so on. So my my uh, my website is davidsethcohen.com, D-A-V-I-D-S-E-T-H-C-O-H-E-N.com. My, I have another website called it's a precisionpicturesonline.com. So either of those, there's like a contact form that I could be reached at. I'm on Instagram uh, at David Seth Cohen. I'm on Twitter, David Seth Cohen one, the number one. Um, and I'm on Facebook, facebook.com backslash David Seth Cohen. And I'm on LinkedIn, linkedin.com or LinkedIn, whatever it is, uh, backslash David Seth Cohen. So uh, I'm certainly reachable. Um, and easily found on Google. Um, so you just Google David Seth Cohen, a ton of stuff will come up. Um, and that's right. pretty much it, man. Yeah. David, David, thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate all you do. And again, uh, we welcome you back at another time. You just 
delivered a great, great story, inspiring many that are listening will be listening later. We want to thank you uh, listeners that you come back each and every week, the sustainable success way. We promise to bring guests like David uh, to the show to share their words of wisdom, sharing their experiences, inspiring you to be all that you could be in your business and personal life. Till then, we'll see you next Thursday, same time, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.